you think about the person in your life, when you started, believing you more than anyone else, they're the ones that made the sacrifices. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Barty. Hello Barty. Hello Windy. And our tactics guy and a man who has been experimenting with new data viz created in R. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. <laughs> Arr, yeah. Arr. Uh, I, uh, I've, been, I've been wanting to do like XY plot, like pitch pitch visualization stuff for a long time and i'm finally doing it i'm really i'm really really happy with it um, i i decided um i don't know if you saw my tweet exchange with your wife uh, <laughs> i decided that key passes will now be referred to as stripies <laughs> <laughs> i very much like the stripey arrow good good it looks lovely you're doing good work thank you man i appreciate that you enjoying the programming experimentation yeah sometimes it's frustrating there, there's there's a couple of bits so at the moment when i make those they take a few minutes work i can't just go play and they whereas with the the polars now i just go that's the player and it's all done whereas it's yeah. i've got to sort of do it bit by bit and manually and i will, the process of getting from where i am to getting it as a finished product that's quite finickety and, and frustrating but also like i don't want to just go and because there's a bunch of listeners who are like professional coders or whatever yeah and and several of them volunteer and i could go to me like how do i do this but then i will just like copy what they send me and i won't actually learn the lesson whereas um if i work it out myself then it will be knowledge that sticks yeah yeah i get that for sure uh little shout out to yoni becker and his father michael thank you so much michael for the lovely email i hope yoni appreciates being mentioned on the pod um yeah it's very nice to hear from you uh bardi and i did a midweek q a pod for our ex-subs and we had some feedback from son renity who said i love the q a pod especially that both bardi and windy rated homemade meals as the best they've had recently and it feels so in character that bardi has a meat guy uh, and i'm gonna leave that there because i like <laughs> i like the fact that it's completely ambiguous um I'm missing next week's pod, so I'm going to leave you in, in Nathan's uh, safe hands next week because I'm on holiday. Uh, just dropping that in there. Sweet. Nathan had a shocked face. <laughs> <laughs> I think you forgot that I'm going on holiday, so okay. he's gonna he's gonna hold the fort. Uh, let's just dive straight into the Bournemouth game. Really fun to watch. Uh, same starting eleven. No surprises. I I I thoroughly enjoyed the match. Um, Bournemouth are a pretty good team now. I feel like they're a well-coached team. They're going to definitely... A few teams are going to be come unstuck at Bournemouth this season, I yep. think. Uh, they press really intensely. Uh, and in Semenyo, they have a player who is very dangerous mm. going forward, but also exceptional at pressing. Really good sort of defensive winger. I thought he was yep. superb for them. Um, but what did you guys think of the performance, the pattern of the game? Were you happy with the overall showing? I mean, Semenyo is pretty kicky. He does like to to, to stick it. Physical, a, right? Kind of, yeah, proper physical. He does like to swing it about a bit. Um, I think he should have probably been booked at some pay, at some stage. I mean, eventually there's there's like an unwritten law, isn't there? That after like five fouls, you get a yellow card. So I thought it would be quite nice had he been booked. He could have, <laughs> could have stopped that. But it was nice to see an unchanged team. And it was quite nice to have a, um, a, a solid start to the bank holiday weekend instead mm. of Spurs crashing it and um, spending the rest of the week in, in misery. Yeah, it does feel really nice when you're the first game of the weekend to have the three points under your belt. You kind of just are able to sit back and watch watch the rest of the games unfold safe in the knowledge that you've done your bit there was um a slight wobble around the kind of 60 55 minutes 60 minute mark and i was watching this going like old spurs would crumble here yeah they would they would they would concede and it would just turn into just just a shit flinging match of both teams just trying to like kind of like what it was last season when mm. we finished 3-2 to us it would just turn into madness but we managed to um cement it up and control the game and uh, <laughs> and we moved forward it was good some good solid um cementing going on by by big Ange. Really, really impressive use of the substitutes, I thought, in this game. Um, I think Nathan and I were quite critical in the first game of, of how late Postacoglu used the subs. Yeah, I thought he absolutely nailed it this time around. Timing was perfect. Um, 
that the players he brought on, I thought, were absolutely the right ones at the right time. Um, Sarum Charlison going off and Hoybier and Perisic coming on. Just loved those moves. Thought thought they made a big difference. Um, fresh energy, a bit of composure, experience. Yeah, I, I I'm just so into what and what the Cogley's doing at the moment it's 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 really really encouraging and um and very exciting um Nathan anything you'd like to say about the sort of tactical pattern of this one um I, w- I was hoping to see um a bit more of an experiment with the front three um I was hoping to see Perisic or Solomon um get quite a few minutes of on in this game Pattern of the game, yeah, yeah. Uh, Iriola's a really good pressing coach, and they're obviously still developing that area. But um, they 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 do a thing where um, they do a really good job of dividing um, the pitch um, across the sort of vertical axis. So the their number nine is Solanke. Solanke would go and stand sort of in this space between the centre-backs when one of them had the ball, where he's close to the keeper. And so he's taken out both the keeper, Vicario, uh, and the far side centre-back at the same time. And then the rest of Bournemouth can sort of go uh, man-to-man, step up and go man-to-man uh, across one side of the pitch. Um, it's really good stuff. They're still they're still working it out because there's quite a bit of nuance and complexity to it, especially you know when you've got a player standing in space and then you wait for the pass and then you go mm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we did really really well in possession. I thought we we came we knew how they were gonna they were gonna press and we came specifically prepared. So in a very strictly man to man structure. Um, I mean, first off, a lot of the time that is going to work. <laughs> just, just yeah, you press man to man, you're going to cause teams a lot of problems. Um, I think we did a really, really good job of utilizing our individual skill um, in keeping the ball to feet and standing your man, creating a yard, and then the supportive players waiting until mm. that movement has happened, and then mm. uh, find it quickly finding space and and taking advantage of their 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 man marking really really well. Um, yeah, I think the the whole of the first half was was basically really really excellent football. Um, defensively. Um, Bournemouth aren't up to much in possession yet, so it wasn't a problem. But I, I don't think our pressing shape in this game was was great. I think that we left players open in midfield, but it didn't materialise in any kind of dangerous way. So, largely irrelevant. And then, yes, yeah, second half, um, Bournemouth up their intensity without really changing anything tactically that I'm aware of, and we begin began to tire, and things got a bit spooky. Semenya was like really, yeah, turning it up. Uh, he was quite impressive. Um, and then, yeah, Postecoglou won the game with his subs, I think. Um, just just bringing on fresh legs when we needed fresh legs. Um, uh, at the time, I tweeted critically because this is now two or three games in a row. Yeah, three games in a row where we brought on a crossing winger as we've taken off Richarlison and therefore Richarlison mm. hasn't got time on the pitch with someone who's going to get the ball in, which was my main frustration with the starting eleven as well. Um, but then, because I, I, I tweeted that, sorry, I didn't tweet it. I posted it on x.com. <laughs> uh, you x'd it. Yeah, yeah, I, I x'd it on x. And multiple people x lie, x replied, x re-x'd. And they said, um, they said, like, Richarlison had lost his head. So I, which I get that. I get that. Fair enough. Um, he, he just, um, he just, he had several unlucky moments. Um, and then he'd like accidentally stood on the ball as he was receiving on the on the run, fell over, and then kicked out at, uh, at a Bournemouth player on, well, from the ground and got a yellow. So he was basically frustrated, right? And, and to me, more importantly than losing the ball and kicking out, like his head dropped. Yeah, like it was. You could see that the. So I thought Richardson had a really strong first half with his movement. Me too. Um, I, I thought it was great. Excellent pressing, like really adds something with his pressing. Um, but he he got into that really good position and probably could have taken the chance first time in his right foot, which is his stronger side. He didn't. He chopped back in, and I think that's a, a reasonable approach. And unfortunately for him, it brushed the hand of the Bournemouth player and knocked it out of his stride. Um, which is unlucky, right? Like he got a little unlucky in that moment. I think you're really underselling it, Wendy. I think he did incredibly well. I think he turned a 1v2 into what should have been 
on any other day um, a completely open net. I thought he, I thought that was a really genuinely outstanding to nutmeg the defender and take it round the keeper. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was that was an absolutely brilliant play that just didn't happen to quite turn off for him because it because it brushed the defender's hand. And uh, then uh, Rothwell made an incredible um, defensive run. Mm-hmm. Um, if either of those things goes slightly differently, um, he has an, an, a brilliant goal there. That is the first thing that we talk about on this podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And you can see that, like, to me, it felt like um, the sort of stacking up of things not quite going yeah. his way got to him. And he is someone that wears his heart on his sleeve. He's He's a player that... You can see what he's feeling in his oh, yeah. face and his body language, and I felt like the substitution was the right thing to do on the basis of that. I get that. I get. That. I think. Um, I, firstly, I think that he's playing brilliantly. I think that he's doing everything we want him to do. That he's just not getting goals because mainly because we're not crossing the ball in, and that's a failure of 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 the system, of Postecoglou, and of all of the other players that aren't him. Um, I think that uh, Sars through ball for Madison was very very nice, but. Uh, Richarlison moved into that space first and he should have been the one to have the opportunity to play that ball uh, so you mm-hmm. sort of feel for Richarlison a little bit there um, but he's too online he's too aware of what fans are saying yeah, he's letting yeah. it get to him yeah. you've, you've had this problem Wendy um, <laughs> when you're too online and everyone's getting to you what does Richarlison yep. need to do? he needs to uh, delete the apps from his phone yeah that sounds like a I good mean, idea. without without adding to the noise against Richardson, <laughs> I, I I do think um, you're you're over you're you're being very nice to him. He he ran around a lot and he created space and he did he did some good things, man. He did a lot of things that a two point five million pound striker can do. But um, if that chance that Madison scores goes to Richardson, he he misses that and that opportunity. Yeah, he. It came. He managed to create something quite incredible, but it didn't go in. But he should have scored that man. We we're complimenting him for doing something nice, but not ultimately delivering. I think he's had a buy because we've won these games. But had we drawn this match, you could pinpoint that opportunity. Like we're recording on a Sunday, and I'm I'm not a huge Nunes fan, but Nunes just scored two goals, which um, had those dropped to Richarlison, he's he's knocking someone out in the fifth row. It's um. It's something which we can hide now for this moment because the team is scoring goals elsewhere. But I think at some point he has to start delivering. Otherwise, um, otherwise it's pointless having him and we should go and buy another striker. I mean, I agree with you. He's, mo- he's moving around. He's doing some good things. He's running around, but I can press. But um, I can't score goals. And at the moment, neither can he. The thing is that we were never not winning that game. Like we we were churning out the chances um, and we yeah. would have continued to do. I think if we needed more in the second half, we would have found that. We allowed the game to slow down because that's all we needed from the game. I, I, obviously, obviously in the long term, and you said this before, like you need your forward to score goals. Um, but in the short and medium term, like attack isn't yeah. the problem <laughs> with this team at all. So it's... It's a problem that we can definitely kick the, down the road quite a while. And I think in that time, Richarlison will start getting goals and then yeah. the problem will go away. So just, yeah. My concern is like when we play a better team and the opportunities don't come and you need to be a bit more ruthless. That's that's when I'm worried about Richarlison. I'm hoping these kind of games right now, he's just go, he's going to get through it and then the goals will come. But I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him scoring 15 goals this season. Did we have a bet about this, Wendy? Or did I? Did we just threaten to have we, a bet? We, threat, we threatened. We threatened to, didn't we? I, I think... Um... The only thing that stands in the way of him scoring 15 goals is injury or or like hefty rotation that leads to him being behind Son in the pecking order as striker. Like if if they were to rotate Richarlison and Son plays up front and we play Perisic or Solomon and they play outstandingly well and it ends up in a situation where we can't drop them and Son has to play through the middle and Richarlison's on the bench, then I think he would. That's the that's the thing that would get in his way. If he plays every game, he's scoring 15 goals. Absolutely no doubt in my mind that he would do that. Um, but I, I do take your point that it doesn't feel like things are going great for him at the moment, even though... I mean, this is the thing about football, right? There's there's You, you look at things in two ways. You, you look at what he's doing on the ball, and there's quite a lot that went wrong in the game, I felt. You know, clumsy touches, the ball bouncing off him on a couple of occasions... The, the, the chance that Nathan has referred to already. You look at the stuff he's doing off the ball, which generally people don't tend to notice. There's so much good there. And yeah. it's not... I think you're really harsh in, in saying, like, it's the stuff that a two and a half million striker could do. Like, the, the way he's moving 
the the timing of the run is elite that's that's what yeah. makes him like worth his place in the team for me um at the moment and i think you don't get many players that, that press in the same way that Richarlison presses. We, we've we got an insane pressing striker. Uh, yeah, I, I just think he's a nuisance to play against and he creates space for others. And I'm hoping it'll all fall into place one way or another. I'm not worried. It, I mean, I yeah, I'm being nice enough. But like, Ketia has two goals this season. The the Forest striker scored like seven goals in a row. Oh, uh, won't you? From, he's, from, from he's three really shots. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, there's just he did one nice flick on Richarlison, which went to somebody, which created something that was quite nice. But he's he smells a bit like Soldado right now. <laughs> no, he's come of, on, he's got, so he's much better. Of, he's got a lot of goodwill going his way from a lot of people. There's a lot of goodwill. There's a lot of people wanting him to really succeed. But um, the the harder he tries, the worse he looks. And it's it's a really bad kind of circle of um of like of failure to get into that. that the more you push, the worse it becomes. And uh, I'm just a bit concerned about it's gonna go all soldado. So so Bardi, this we had this question from uh, Shayla Kin who says tough one as I've not given up on Charleston, but should we go big with another attacking signing, centre forward or winger before the window shuts? If yes, who would you realistically like? Do you think that? Given we've got a few days left in the transfer window, do you think we should be replacing Richarlison as a number nine? No, no. Uh, we've got to go with Richarlison. We've, we've got to put faith in him. And But I would like us to revisit this in January and then make a decision on it. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think if he's not scoring by January, then we just go and buy Tony or whoever. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely fair enough, completely fair enough. There's plenty of strikers out there who can press and run the channels, but can also score goals. So let's talk about some of the players who really shone in this game. Uh, I thought there were a fair few, to be honest. Um, I put an extra one in your list. <laughs> you can, you can okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the okay, so the players I listed uh, were Madison, Basuma, Pedro Porro, Vicario, who I am just absolutely loving, and the two centre backs. Nathan has added uh, Udogi. Udogi. I mean, how can you not add him? He was incredible. I, th- I thought he was good. I thought he was good. Um, yeah, I just like thought the others outshone him a little. I think. I think the thing is for. Udogi, it's he's doing incredible things for his age. Like it's insane that he's as young as he is. He plays like a much more mature player. Um, one of the things which is going to really annoy opposition forwards is his tendency to like hang on to the ball in such a way that he gets fouled and goes to ground and and wins free kicks in dangerous areas in his own half. And yeah, I love watching that. Um, it's going to really irritate opposition fans. As the season goes on, he, he he does that like a very experienced old pro. Um, and, you know, what is he, 20? It's absolutely insane to me. So who who were your men of the match? I think um, I think Van der Ven edges it over Madison in this really? one. I really? I thought that he was, um, yeah, outstanding in and out of possession. Um, he was really key, like I mentioned earlier about Bournemouth's press being superman-oriented. He was really key. At, this is something that I, I wanted to talk about more in his video, but I feel like I kind of already done with you. Doggy is like, hey, if you look at his passing, um, he's not very adventurous with his passing. Almost all of the passes he's made for Wolfsburg are either to the centre-back to his right or to the full-back to his left, or when he played at left-back himself, he would just put it up to the winger. Like He's not a very creative or technical passer. However, he's this outstanding ball carrier, so what he needs mm. to do is utilise his ball carrying to open up angles to more interesting passes. That's exactly what he did in this game, yeah? He drew the pressure out, pretending to go one way faked went the other and then could play what is actually a relatively simple pass on a technical level but is an effective incisive line breaking pass because of the movement he did beforehand Mm. and then Mm. defensively he was a brick wall he was he 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 had a measured amount of aggression in a really useful way but he was also the necessarily passive partner to romero's lunacy um Romero's been amazing first three games by the way he has but also arguably he should have been sent off twice right in, in, so so but that's kind of Romero that's kind of what you get and he tends yeah. to get away with it this is what we talked about in the past when, and then eventually he did get a couple of cards in a couple of games when all oh, that's a bit scary and now he's back to getting away with it again so I, I don't know he's 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 mastered something that we can't even possibly comprehend <laughs> um but yeah I, I thought Van der Ven um 
I'm so impressed with him. And I and I obviously I knew that upside was there. Um I I made that upside a big focus of, of my analysis of him. Um but we basically haven't really seen the downside. <laughs> so he's just been excellent. He's just been excellent. I'm really impressed with him. I thought Madison was also very, very good. I can't get over how good Van der Ven is. He's he's sensational, man. He's I tweeted during the game, like he's a transformational signing. He's he's changed this he's changed how we play. He's able to do everything. He passes out, he dribbles out, he gets stuck in, he keeps Romero on a on a <laughs> a, a kind of leash. It's not a, it's not the, it's not it's not the greatest slippery that you'd put like a, a unruly puppy on, but it's a leash it's of sorts. One of those extendable ones, but he's never yeah. holding it down. It's just like all all fifteen meters allowance at once. Yeah, so he, he's doing a decent job with that, but he he's unbelievable. I mean, look at the size of him. <laughs> but he doesn't he doesn't move like a big. He's got he's got a good touch for a big man. He's got an incredible touch. He, <laughs> he he moves on the ball like he's shabby, but he's an absolute unit. He's I I just can't get over him. He makes me smile. He's unbelievable. What a signing. And he's devilishly handsome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I haven't even got to, I haven't even started thinking about that bit yet. Uh, I, the thing I noticed in this game, and I think it was because of Bournemouth's exceptional high press, uh, is how composed we look now. Um, you know, the, the confidence Ange has instilled in our ability to play out from the back is a joy to watch. You know, Vicario will take a touch and then play it essentially along the along the goal line if needs be. They'll just wait it out and they'll just find the gaps. Um, so you've got Vicario, really calm possession. Romero takes a touch as well. Van der Ven. And then Pedro Porro, I thought was magnificent in those situations. He, the ball would come to him and, he, and he'd, he'd have made the run inside to be the inverted fullback. And then he'd just like chip a ball into midfield to a player who's not even on screen at this point, the way the camera's panning. And he just hit hit the target every single time. He just got it right every time. And suddenly you're, you've escaped and you're out and you've beaten the press and you're, you can make a move forward. Um, and I was so impressed with Poro. was defending again, thought he was brilliant in that respect. But it's the calmness in possession that, that he gives us, the the creative um, thinking and the execution of those passes that, in my eyes, elevates him above Emerson Royale, who I think is also a very solid, dependable player. Um, I, I really love I love watching Pedro Porro, and um, he's wonder the right foot. I mean, I, we've never had a goalkeeper at Spurs that's able to to use his feet in a, in like a, a normal way. Yeah. So it is yeah. it is really nice to have it's refreshing being able yeah being able to pass the ball out and and not panic everybody. Yeah, exactly. He's very calm, isn't he? And, and that calmness, you feel like the defenders grow from from the fact that he's not panicking. Um, mm-hmm. Madison, I think, is just... I, I said it before, I think it was in one of the um, X-Sub Q&As, that he felt like an absolutely ideal fit for Spurs. Um, and, and it felt like Madison Spurs was destiny in some way. He is so silky, so calm. Um, again, you know, playing, he, he picked up the ball loads in our defensive third uh, and, and just didn't look like losing it. He's, he's press resistant. He's technically brilliant. He's skillful. Um, his vision is exceptional. He looks like, he's one of those players that looks like he's got way more time on the ball than he abs- actually has. Um, but in this game, obviously, he, he got the goal as well to top off the performance. And for me, he was our man of the match. And I think the, the goal helps with that because it kind of, it gives you a lasting impression. But it's, we finally replaced Christian Eriksen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go big and say he's better than Ericsson because Ericsson is sensational. If he comes close to achieving the numbers that Ericsson has done, but he's he's had a great start, and I've been so impressed by yeah by his ability to hold the ball, to beat the press, spread the play, and always find space, one touch, open the play out. He's he has been quite incredible. I I was a little bit concerned against Brentford, and I I still have this worry that Spurs might become almost one dimensional. That teams will just start shutting down Madison, but I think he's so smart and where he moves and where he picks up the ball and then what Basuma offers him alongside him is is is, some, is someone that will make him space and just create that space he's he's been a great signing mm. um yeah and it was a good goal with lovely little silky finish he missed one chance which was unfortunate but other than that he's he's been brilliant you can't ask for a better start than that yeah two assists in the first game wasn't it and now he's he's got his goal um you mentioned Basuma there I think he's just he's so consistent and and not even consistent on a match to match basis. It's like 
on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. He just doesn't let you down. He's um, he's a really special player and ha has certainly found his feet in the system. He understands what's required of him and he's picked it up so quickly. What I love about Basuma is he he doesn't try anything that appears to be too risky, but when you think about what he's just done in retrospect, it is risky because he's burst through two players or he's hung on to it a little longer than you might have expected and suddenly he's created an angle or a bit of space to burst into. Um, but he makes it look like it's the easiest thing in the world. Like he's just playing football in the park with his mates. He's he's a silky, silky player. Um, he's also really strong in possession. He like players bounce off him. He he does this thing where he like plants both his feet it, sometimes as a player is approaching him and it gives him like a little um, extra bit of sturdiness to, to stop them nicking the ball off him or outmuscling him. The touch that he made for the goal to create the space that he then moved into to to feed Saar, I thought kind of summed up Basuma as a as a player in his first three games. Just such a brilliant... I think it's his spatial awareness that's so good. I think that's the thing that I'm trying to get at. Basuma understands um, space and how he can use that to his advantage. And he's an absolute joy to watch at the moment. I'm really loving him being our pivot. Anything to add, Nathan, on uh, Basuma? Uh, no, I, I think it's. Um, I think you've said it all, and I think it's been apparent every game. Um, and like, yeah, maybe the reason that I didn't even consider him being in contention for man of the match is that that's just the the level yeah. that he's established now. You kind of take yeah, it for it, granted. Yeah, totally. I think that's the, that's the thing. It's been three games, and both three games you could have. He was contender for man of the match. It's it's almost a shame when someone becomes that good yeah. that you just expect it. It's like Harry Kane was that kind of guy. It's mm -hmm. why he barely ever won play of the season because he was just always he was always great. And um, it's hard to um, kind of separate that from just consistent brilliance to the occasional bit of incredible skill and stuff. Mm. So before we carry on, I will hand over to our partnerships manager for a little word from our sponsors. I gave AG1 a try because right now speed and choice is something I've got in small amounts. My in-laws are living with me for the moment and they can be complicated eaters. My wife and I are having to change up how we serve food, what we eat and when we eat. Their palates are pretty much how Pjoiberg plays football. Straightforward and occasionally stodgy. This doesn't leave much space for me to slip in my greens like a through ball from Saar. But thankfully, I've got a tactical masterstroke on hand. I can rely on my AG1. Exactly how Big Ange relies on Big Mickey van der Ven. It's quick, it's tasty, it's direct and it's to the point. No matter how many cheese sandwiches, eggs on toast or simply cooked chicken I'm whipping onto their plates, I've got all the nutrients I need in my AG1 shake. And now, let me be windy. AG1 replaces your multivitamin probiotic and more in one simple drinkable habit. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your daily supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's right. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Go check it out. Thank you. I've been Windy and Bardi. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com so we have a question from voodoo chopsticks dan he says it feels like we're taking we were taking more opportunities to transition and counter than in the earlier games by moving it faster through midfield and to sonny who was running upfield do you agree and if so was it a consequence of stylistic tweaking or were bournemouth just leaving more space um so in terms of our attacking speeds that is down to bournemouth pressing yeah they opened up space so we used what we we played where the space was um clearly i think there'd been some focus on preparing for bournemouth pressing in that way and and utilizing um the space in behind um but the decision um specifically was sun to play more as a forward to move in narrow um that is that is i think something that we're going to see a little more of um we definitely saw uh, udogi playing wider 
um, in in the attacking half a lot more in this game. Um, And that was an interesting role for him. I thought he had a much, much better game. Um, I still don't feel like either of our wingers are doing a good job at being wingers, right? But Kulusevski got a goal. Kulusevski got a brilliant goal, um, a forwards finish. Um, and Son had a good game otherwise. He he had a good game as an inside forward, which is very funny. Thinking about the narrative of last season of, oh, Perisic had taken up Son's position. He's ruining his, his touchline-based <laughs> game. It's like, that's not true. The problem is that Son was receiving under pressure. Uh, we couldn't get him free of his marker. We were sending balls into him, completely vertical balls, instead of um, allowing him to receive on the turn or receive when he's already facing the, the goal. And he was... I thought, actually... Um, for a long time, I've said that um, captaincy doesn't matter and is irrelevant. But I felt like Sun has become a less selfless player, a less, a more selfless, a less selfish player. Thought that he brought others into play really, really well in this game in a in a sort of second forwards uh, type role in this game. That's a really interesting observation. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I picked up on it on, to the, quite the same extent, but. Uh, may, yeah, maybe that's something I need to look out for in future. Uh, maybe it's partly a system thing as well. Yeah, you know, the, the oh, role yeah. he's being asked to play. Yeah, definitely. I'd just I say think... that I think he's he's adapting to that well. Mm, cool. I also think perhaps the the way Sun is playing now is is something linked to his kind of drop off in the last sure. twelve months or so. But perhaps he's not that kind of that that kind of line burst in presence anymore and he's going to have to change his game and adapt to to his kind of yeah less yeah lesser explosivity but it was a nice little um he was involved in the Kulusevsky goal it was a nice little touch mm. um yeah. I'd like to see a little bit more than that I would like to see him shoot earlier the, the key with Sun has always been his quick finishes his quick shots and he does seem to be dallying a little bit there was a few times though in the game where the ball should have been squared to him um I'm not as concerned about I'd rather see Sun at the moment play the number nine role than than Richardson Let's uh, let's do this one because I'm interested to get your views on this. So this is from Stephen Doyle Page who says, I'd like to know how do you think the new refereeing and VAR laws are going? The rules regarding the players delaying the game or being aggressive, abusive to the ref are good. I've always hated the petulant way players act in general and while it while it would be annoying to start with, I think it will actually change the players' attitudes long term. The rules stating that they will have a higher tolerance for fouls or penalties is good, but while the higher tolerance for VAR overturning these things sounds good, it hasn't worked in practice. Pandora's box is already open. Saying they will intervene less doesn't work when the refs are clearly still making mistakes. Yeah. Um, any any thoughts? Uh, yeah, so there's this moment um, around, what is it, 66 minutes uh, Solanke elbows Van der Ven in the eye, <laughs> right? Like a, a bad, bad foul, a red card offence, in my opinion. And uh, play continues or whatever, and then they come back to it, and several Spurs players are surrounding the ref. And Captain Sonny, new selfless Captain Sonny, comes over, and he pushes Hoybjerg and he pushes Van der Ven away from the referee and he spares them um, from a yellow card. And also, the referee in the video assistant, assistant referee don't consider the elbow. So it's like, if they had harassed the referee more, would they have looked at it? Mm. Uh, or would they have just got yellow cards or maybe both? Because like the, the problem is that the players feel like they should have to do that. The, the players have previously even before very much before VAR going through to VAR now feel that they have to put up a sufficient protest that the referee will do refereeing you know in their favor uh, it, uh, i think there needs to be a better system where either everything is being looked at all the time which i thought was kind of the idea or there's an actual system in place for we want to appeal this right we want hawkeye we want uh, whatever the cricket one is called, yeah, we we we're using one of our three a game or whatever the system is. We want this looked at, and then they and then they look at the fact that Slanky elbowed Van der Ven in the face and probably should have been sent off for it. Mm. Um, so I don't like the surrounding surrounding the ref. I think the main problem with that is that previously refs haven't been quick enough to yellow card players, and and and, and it's right that they should do that. But also, um, you need to deal with the the biggest. Uh, the sort of the more underlying issue there which is imperfect refereeing and I understand that striving for perfection when humans referee games is always going to 
create problems. Um, but the thing with the, the other day where the video assistant, was it Mike Dean, said, oh, I, I didn't want to, like, correct my mate. Like, there's something seriously wrong with yeah. uh, the relationship yeah. between the referees and the video assistant referees. Um, they should yeah. be acting much more independently. Yeah, Simbarash sent me that on um, on Twitter, and, and I thought that was a really interesting, uh, candid interview from Mike Dean where he comes across as essentially not impartial. Um uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I, I really like the point you're making. That on one hand, you're kind of you're asking players to respect referees and respect their decisions, and on the other, you're you're making the refereeing decisions worse. Um, <coughs> yeah, I, I, I do like the new rules around sort of yellow cards for dissent and abuse. I think that's really important because it filters down to grassroots. And who the hell would want to be a referee? Like, why would anyone want to take up refereeing yep. when they're just being abused? Uh, and I think that that's been a problem that's been going on far too long in football when you compare it to other sports where the officials are respected a lot more. Um, but we are having a lot of bad decisions. I, I, your point about having some sort of review system, we have a de- decision review, sorry, de- decision review system, DRS in cricket. Each team has three um, per innings. And I, I think if, like, I don't mind that idea at all. I think you could do that where you would have to then re- like the VAR would have to look at it as if they were refereeing the game for the first time and not apply tolerance levels not apply like is it clear and obvious they just have to say what they would do if they saw that for the first time is it a yellow card is it a red card is it a penalty rather than is it wrong enough that I should undo the what the referee <laughs> decided to do yeah. um and and I wouldn't be against that I think that could work at the moment yeah, you're right. There's there's not enough corrective action happening because the tolerance levels are wrong. And also, I think referees are not making decisions because they rely on the VAR, who then doesn't correct them, which sucks. If there was, Romero probably would have been red carded for his scissor tackle on Semenya. Quite possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. So, you know, you were picking up poison a little bit, I guess. Mm. Um, I didn't think it was that bad. No? Was that, was that really a red card tackle? It's... I thought it was... He was pretty strong, but I thought he won the ball. You um, typically get recorded for the the scissor technique. I it's think the action, isn't it? Yeah. It's the because it's like it's seen as reckless and you're not in control of your momentum. Well, you can put you can put hard lateral pressure on a knee and do someone's ACL pretty easily yeah. with that. So I get it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was. I didn't. I wouldn't have gone for a red card. I, I could have seen. I would have accepted a, a free kick and a yellow. But I, I don't know. I guess. I guess the scissor action is a bit is a bit dangerous. Did you talk about Poro? Well, my internet was cut out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wind, Windy's favorite. He's got a, a real crush on Poro. I. Uh... I'm 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 coming around, man. It's um it's looking like a like a real boy. <laughs> the the thing that I was saying, Nathan, was that, and you know, I'm repeating what I've just said to the listeners, but I'm interested to get your your take as well. Is we were so good at passing the ball around the back when yeah. Bournemouth pressed us, and it's, it would go along the back line, and we'd look really calm and really assured, and then you'd be waiting for the moment where we got out, and it would go to Poro, and he'd like chip uh, what looked like an impossible pass into midfield right to the feet of one of our midfielders who then turned and could run at the Bournemouth's defence. And it was just great. I think he's so creative um, and so calm uh, that he really adds something. He really elevates us as a team. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm i seeing it, man. I'm seeing the vision. Um... I also just love him as a character. <laughs> he's, he's really fun to watch. I loved it when he made like a block tackle from one of the corners and just went mental and started like bumping yeah. chests with our players. It was really <laughs> enjoyable. He should be proud of himself because those are moments he, he struggles with. I think defensively mm. as well as in possession, his game. But you can see, on. like, yeah, exactly. The, we, he he's been given confidence, and with that confidence comes an improvement in all aspects of his game, not just his attacking aspects. And and it's really nice to see that you know, he's a a player on the up for sure. We're only human on this podcast. We all get things wrong. Not very often, especially me, but mistakes do happen. That's why you're hearing this ad again. My best friend, boss and head of HR made a mistake in our previous two podcast links. So here we are letting you know we made a mistake, but that's okay because since then I've learned a bit more about NordVPN. It's basically like slipping your home into your pocket. Are you right now on the beach in Spain, sat in a hotel lobby waiting for your partner or simply abroad and missing match of the day or MasterChef? 
Well, NordVPN has a solution for you. Change your location without moving an inch and get what you want when you want it. My in-laws are here in the UK and they're missing their passionate soap operas and news updates. Tranquilo, relax, I told them. Take a seat on my sofa and let me take you across the Atlantic with just a click of the button. Two seconds later, they're muy contento, very, very happy, watching their programs on the television. Take home with you wherever you travel. Use the correcto link now in the description box. Ciao, ciao. So we actually, we, we managed to shift out a couple of players this week, finally. Yeah, Only man. on loan, though. <laughs> <laughs> so Troy Parrott has joined um, Excelsior in the Eredivisie. You like that move, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I like sending uh, technical players to the Eredivisie where there's uh, time on the ball, where there's expectation to play, where there's creative and inventive tactics excelsior not so much that way mm. as a team nearly relegated they play on a, a 3g pitch um which is not like quite as bad as um fake pitches used to be but um obviously not ideal uh but i'm happy to see him get minutes i'm happy to see us be a bit of inventive out like oh let's just send everyone to league one or championship um you know go get some culture in you go get away from uh <laughs> from uh some less than reputable characters that are rumored mm. to have a presence in his life hopefully mm. um yeah and then divine uh into into league <laughs> one windy what do you think about that I'm really happy that Divine has gone to League One. I'm less happy that he's gone to Port Vale. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting choice of club. And a, to be honest, a bit of a strange one. I understand there's quite a lot of interest in Divine and we could have chosen a few clubs. I mean, obviously, the club would have listened to what the loanies, the, the, the clubs wanted to loan them would have offered in terms of minutes, minutes in terms of what they do in training. So, and where they might have played him, um, and and all that gets taken into consideration, I'm sure. Uh, the way someone in the Discord put it was, wow, he's going to have to play a lot of hero ball. Yeah. As in, like, he's going to have to be the guy that steps up and does something for this dog-awful team who, who can't attack coherently. And that does concern me. But he's very capable of playing hero ball. He's a very, very, very good young player. Um, and, the, and the way I'm looking at it, the way I'm choosing to look at it, is... If he smashes it in the first half of the season, hopefully we've got a recall clause for January. We can get him a good championship loan for the second half of the season. That would be just nice. Do we have a, um, a special relationship with Excelsior? Because that's also where we sent um, Marcus Edwards. Is there someone Spursy there? I don't know if there is, or it's just that we made contact with the Edwards one, and now you've got a bit more of a, a pathway because he worked out well for them. Mm. I mean, he did more yeah. than work out well for them. He was like, <laughs> he was uh, he was constantly playing hero ball for them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like Troy Parrott um, going there a, a lot. Um, when I tweeted that I was happy that we'd loaned him and not sold him, I got a bunch of people in the reply saying, why? He's clearly not good enough for Spurs. And my response to that is, did you learn nothing from Harry Kane's loans? <laughs> um, I, I think Troy Parrott is a really talented player who at 21, a little bit more might have been expected so far from his, yeah. his loans. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's not good and doesn't have high potential. And I'm very happy for us to see how it, he figures it out at Excelsior and then make a decision after that. Mainly, I'm, I'm not sure he's a great fit for Postacoglu football. Yeah. But, you know, th there's no harm, I think, in keeping him around one more year. Mainly just got unlucky with injury last year, I think. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. The other thing we can talk about is that it's looking increasingly likely that we're genuinely going to target and try and sign Brennan Johnson. Uh, uh, mm, yeah. I've been watching um, quite a bit of Brennan Johnson and like, man, <laughs> like I, I get it, right? I get it. He is he, can you, can you quickly, is he um, Adama Traore, but doesn't lift? Is that, is that what he is? No, because Adama Traore can, can, properly dribble his man uh whereas brennan johnson he he has such a burst of pace that he is really good at like getting beyond his man so that he can cross the ball right which according to 
Opta, according to Statsbomb, maybe even according to Scout, is not a dribble. But what he's done is he's used his ability to accelerate on the ball to create a crossing angle that otherwise wouldn't exist. It's kind of like what you see with Perisic, but again, it's more athletic and less technical. It's more um, burst and less guile. And, and I think he's a pretty good crosser. I think he makes pretty decent crossing decisions. But, but the money that we're talking about I'm not I'm not persuaded. Like I can see the upside. Like I I get the argument. He's homegrown. Um when he does occasionally get the ball for Nottingham Forest, he does he does decently with it. That for me is not worth 40-50 million pounds. And I think that we already have Perisic. We already have Solomon. If we want to bring a winger in, we've, you know, spend 60 million and get a real top end and you can't get a home. You're not going to get a homegrown option um, here that's really going to push the first 11 because there just isn't one in the market. So you've got to go homegrown elsewhere in the squad. Um, like, because we already have Solomon. <laughs> we already have Paris. You, to have another winger of that approximate level, it doesn't do anything for the squad, in my opinion. Maybe the belief is that Johnson's really going to explode and he's going to be better than Kulosevsky. Um, I think that that's... I'm not saying that's impossible because, again, I'm like, oh, okay, he's a good crosser. Okay, he is creating that cross with his pace. But I think that that's a big gamble. It's not where I'd go. What I quite like about it, I mean, I've been on here before and I've said I'd rather we gave the money to charity. What I quite like is that we could get Brennan Johnson in, but we could also ship off four players, three or four players to Nottingham Forest. So I think if we balance it that way, I think it's I think it's a good deal. If we can give him Spence, um, Sanchez, and I think there's someone else linked in. Brian Hill is another one. Even, Brian Hill. Been... If we can get those three out who aren't homegrown, well, Spence is, and then bring in Johnson the other way, I think it's I think it's something I'd be up for. But 50 mil straight down no 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 let's not do that so it looks like it's 40 which i think makes it a little bit more palatable um so so the way i'm looking at it is that they've said right we need a winger and because we didn't sign david raya who was homegrown we need the winger to be homegrown we need uh someone who's who's got some experience but is young like as in matches the strategy of signing players who are pre-peak and uh, could raise in value significantly. Um, He absolutely ticks those boxes. He's 22, but has the experience of a 24-year-old, you know, several thousand minutes of men's football, including lots of international experience for Wales. Um, And I think also we do arguably lack a little pace, in in the front three in the front three mm. yeah i get that in, you know son son used to be lightning quick is a little less lightning quick now kulisevsky obviously isn't the quickest he he does his his speed work with strength and richarlison's like passably fast but not, not brilliant johnson fast yeah. um and I, I i really like the way you articulated the point about him not beating players with the ball but beating them without the ball i think that's a really interesting way of looking at it and you look at the goal we scored with Saar playing the ball through to Madison. We've got some highly technical, creative midfielders who can slip those passes down the channels. If you have someone like Johnson who will make those runs in a flash and suddenly be through, if you time the passes right, you're going to get some chances. Yeah, I think you're not always going to need the ball out wide and then coming in from the flanks. I think yeah, he'll be good when the ball is on the opposite side from him and arriving at the back post. Mm. I get that. Mm. I get that. I just still think that like it's a huge amount of money um, when we have two squad level wingers, um, and I think that Nico Williams is out there. Doc is already at City. Um, uh, Loriente is arguably available. If you're gonna spend forty, it's it's the uh, whatever. I've I've already done it. Let's move I on. get it. I do. I definitely get it for sure. For sure. Um, but it sounds like it's gonna happen. And I think I think people will be pleasantly surprised with what they see from Brennan Johnson. Uh, I think he can cover any of the front three roles and will be very useful. Certainly, to start off with coming off the bench and just having so much pace that he'll he'll yeah give us a, a bit of a fresh impetus um i'm not against it you know it's a lot of money but i'm not against it it's interesting that uh we're doing database recruitment and he's popped up for us and also brentford were prepared to break their transfer record for him so 
if it's anything, then it's going to be a usage success thing. So this is something I tried to do, which is that I took um, all of the Premier League wingers and attacking midfielders and I said, what are they generating in expected assists? What are they doing in terms of dribbles per touch? And he sort of comes out middle of the middle of the bunch that way. Um, But surrounded in that cluster by a lot of good players, it's fair uh, to say. This is not, this is not ITK. (laughs) If I were to speculate at some kind of advanced model that us and Brentford may be using, it would be like an analysis of his crosses in terms of um, outcome. Not 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 directly outcome, but like area, trajectory, um, flatness, um, you know, the dangerousness of his crosses rather than what's actually coming of them on a, on a per cross basis. Um, so I wonder if he excels in that kind of area because i know that liverpool did something in that kind of area with with robertson and maybe alexander arnold as well although obviously he was in the academy um, that's really really interesting i looked at a bunch of clips of him receiving the ball in the final third and i think he makes very smart decisions um and i wonder spot. if there's some way of like showing that in data there will be know. yeah there will be yeah yeah um, and, and, you know, maybe he was one that they actually just watched matches and and clips and liked him, possibly. Um, I, w- I wanted to do this question because I think it's a really important one and one we, we have briefly spoken about, but mostly on the Discord, to be honest. So this is from uh, Jan Lazmanov, who's someone I, sp- I spoke to when we signed Maxim Pascocci. He's um, Estonian. Um, really, really nice guy. He said, I am very, very, very bothered by us accepting a bid from Spartak Moscow and by how little attention this has gotten. So this is in relation to Davinson Sanchez. Um, I completely understand that people living in the UK have completely different priorities to people in the Eastern or Northern Europe. Distance matters and things like these. And of course, problems are very much relative to where people live. But we're talking about a country that has unquestionably invaded another free, recognized and independent country. I'm a Spurs fan in Estonia. This issue is extremely existential, quite literally for me. Spurs being willing to accept Russian money is absolutely disgusting. And for me, it shows that Spurs do not really care about taking money from a country that's currently causing tens of thousands of deaths and misplacing millions of people. And on top of that, it makes me feel that in case Russia decides to invade their other neighbours, like Estonia, the club that I've supported for most of my life will not hesitate to accept money from Russia while I think of Bale cooking Mykon in a forest defending my country. And... On top of that, we decided to hold a charity match with Shakhtar, promoting it as a supporting gesture to the people of Ukraine. I can't understand how two of these things have been done at the same time. And to everyone saying to keep politics out of football or sport, please think of it. It's literally impossible. Sport is the representation of people, people who participate and people who are represented by the athletes. The two are not possible to separate, especially in cases of authoritarian, dictatorian states like Russia. By accepting their money, we're validating them as part of the global footballing community, which in the current situation is unacceptable and I, I would add to that that the idea of us accepting a bid from a Russian team and expecting Davinson Sanchez a black player to go and just happily walk out onto a pitch in Russia where we know he's going to be racially abused is is pretty horrendous and I'm really glad that the deal didn't happen but it does appear that Spurs were willing to sell him to um to Spartak um, I can't disagree with anything that Jan says. I think um, he makes some really good points and it's been very quiet. The community has been very quiet about this. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree um, with, with what Jan has had to say and I, I'm completely empathetic to what he's, what he's said. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's slightly better that it would be us selling a player and taking money than to buy a player for, for and give money to a, a Russian uh, organization at the moment. Um, but I also think that um, I also think Russia specifically are generating a lot of special attention right now. That also applies to mm. arguably a majority of countries um, around the world. It's like if we were to buy a player from from Turkey um, under a dictator, uh, dictatorial government who are committing atrocities. Um, they're not in a, a, a war of aggression at the moment, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they would. Um, um, and, and if you recognize Kurdistan, then I guess they are. Um, I've spoken previously less on this podcast, but more on Twitter about my feelings about Israel and our dealings with them. I won't go into them right now because obviously that's an entire can of worms. Um, 
hiring, employing Lucas Mora, who uh, was a, a proud vocal Bolsonaro supporter, doing a rainbow pride uh, laces, archway, tweets, campaigns, banners, whilst employing a proud homophobe in the squad and celebrating him because he scored a goal uh, once every 50 games. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I get it. I, I completely, completely sympathise. I agree. Um, I don't know. I might edit this out, but I was once doing some work for a football agent who wanted to send a black Premier League player to a, a variety of clubs and he asked about Russia and I said, don't send a black player to Russia, especially as this particular player had tweeted about his relationship with receiving racial abuse from fans before. So that's obviously a no-go. Um, I'm really glad. I'm really, really glad that Davinton um, has turned it down and is going to wait for a better offer is, I guess, my main takeaway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Um, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Um, uh, it's very difficult, isn't it? Football has become so muddied by by capitalism essentially and um it's impossible to enjoy football whilst also holding your ethics true you have to give something up yeah in it in order to feel like you're living um in a way that supports your your morality and your belief system whilst also enjoying the sport yeah um you have to compromise in some way and yeah it's 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 really it's really tough and i think you know this example is a really good one, a really strong one, um, yeah, a really direct one, um, and thank goodness that the transfer didn't go through because I think a lot of people would have been quite upset and rightly so about it. But but you're absolutely right, Nathan. That there's there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens on a weekly basis that we we should be equally aggrieved by. Uh, same thing for Saudi Arabia, right? Certain players to Saudi Arabia while they're committing atrocities against the Yemeni um, rebellion and, and also their own people. Like, mm. well, uh, if, yeah, if if you'd happily see us sell players to Saudi Arabia but would be against us selling players to Russia, I've got to say, like, what's the difference? Mm, yeah. Um, so we've got the Fulham game coming up in midweek. This match won't be televised. Uh, it sort of happens every three or four years. We get a Spurs game, which we can't actually watch. Like, I'm wondering like if Spurs nowhere. play will have it after the event. Like, I wonder if there will be a full match replay to watch. But it yeah. happened a while ago when we played Burnley. We played Burnley in the League Cup mm. away. And yeah, that wasn't televised. Was that the one where someone Facebook live streamed it? They were like I in the stands. It, it might have been. That was before Why? that. That was that wasn't that wasn't Burnley, that was a different club, but I remember watching I remember watching someone it was Periscope. Do you remember Periscope? Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember watching someone's Periscope from the stands. This is really not gonna be I I knew it wasn't televised in the UK. Man, because it's like um I'm really really enjoying fucking Nashville right yeah. now and I after yeah. every match I can't wait for the next match and now I'm like oh wait I'm gonna uh, am I gonna have to listen into the radio you are gonna have to listen to the radio yeah <laughs> unless someone like takes a battery pack and 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 films the whole game and streams it live from the stands yes you're gonna have to listen to the radio which sucks uh, so Postacoglu here says, yeah, we'll make some changes. We've got some guys who are really keen to play and are working hard in training, and the way we play takes a lot out of us. It's a short turnaround and also another game the following week. We'll make some changes, but because we want to win the game, that's why we're making the changes, not because I want to give guys a game. Hopefully by making the changes, we maintain the intensity and tempo and quality of our game. So which kind of players are you expecting to see, Bardi? Uh, Solomon, um, our friend Schoeberg, Skip will start, Davidson will start, um, probably Ben Davies, Emerson will start, um, maybe Forster, might give Forster a little run out. I think I think maybe just Son, Richarlison, maybe Son and Richarlison will start. And Solomon, or or maybe, one, maybe one of Son and Richarlison and then play the other, but not the other at the weekend, if you see what I mean? So like maybe yeah. Richarlison plays against Fulham, but then not against Burnley or Son plays against Fulham, but not against Burnley. I'd like to see Basuma arrested. Um, mm. I just get I just get really nervous about him. Speaking of getting nervous, how nervous were you when Udogi went down? Oh, it looked bad, didn't it? It did. It really looked bad, and um, I thought maybe his Achilles had just popped. Because, yeah, yeah. I just had that that spinatola feeling about it all. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, 
Nathan, are you any changes you're expecting? Yeah, I, I would like to see about six changes, I reckon would be maybe six or seven changes would be right. Um <laughs> one like normally you'd be like, Oh, your centre backs can play twice in a week, that's fine. But then it's like because it's a domestic competition, if Romero gets a reds, then it affects the Premier League, mm. right? So every time you play Romero, you're rolling you're rolling a sort of fifty sided dice, right? <laughs> I'd really like to see Iago Santiago on the bench uh, against Fulham. I think that would be really fun. The the under-21s had another excellent performance, by the way. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing some good stuff. I noticed the under-18s are playing Angeball as well. 4-3-3, inverted Ooh. fullbacks, which is interesting. I Maybe there's a case to be made that that's too young, that they should be more focused on individual development mm, at 18. Yeah. Um, uh, Having said that, I, I know I I agree I agree completely that 18s you don't need to be preparing them for the first team 18. But if you've got a system that enables the skill sets that we want to produce from our academy, I'm not against it. No, I, I get know? that. I get that. I just mean um, um, when you're doing like positional play stuff um, further down the development chain, when 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 the creativity is coming from the system. Mm. At, at, at a development stage, yeah. then you can stifle individual creativity. Um, but if it's like less hands on, if it's like a vague impression of, oh, yeah, sometimes we'll tuck the fullbacks in, we'll play a 4 3 3, and mm. then you're still mostly working it out from there, then I think that's that's pretty good. But if it's yeah. like, if they're doing the exact same training sessions, um, then I'd be more worried. But I, I want, I want. I want 16, 17, 18 year olds to be inventing moves on the fly a lot of the time, I think. Still. Mm, yeah, it's a fair point for sure. So that's it for this week. And uh, I will speak to you in two weeks time. Uh, you'll be in Nathan and Barley's capable hands next week. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barley, and our tactics guy, Nathan Aikman. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the extra inch. Email us at podcast at the extra inch. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Okay.